just put my football analyst hat on. They don't have as much ability to switch things around like Arsenal do with Niedema, Blacksenius. They can try different formations. Don't think United might have that. They don't have the personnel to do that. Subscribe to the OTB Koyig pod on the OTB Sports app now. Welcome along to Thursday evenings off the ball. We've got a great show for you tonight. Legends pretty much across the board. Laura Davies already in the World Golf Hall of Fame while still an active player. Seven-time European Order of Merit winner, four-time major winner is going to be talking to us about Shane Lowry's victory at Wentworth and also the Women's Irish Open returning to the schedule next week. We'll be talking to Serena Williams coach Renee Stubbs who was in camp with Serena for the last two weeks of her career at the US Open about the retirement of Roger Federer next week. John Giles will be alongside me for the football show and we'll also be revealing the newest co-host of the Koi Gig pod as well all that to look forward to over the next three hours with me for the news round now this evening delighted to say we've got Richie McCormick how are you Rich? In well and Mick is here with me as well how are you Mick? I will. How are you? Just a bit of news uh, to cover across the show here. I'm not sure exactly where we start. Maybe Federer, given um, we expected this to happen. The knee injury has hampered him for pretty much the last three years, but particularly the last year since Wimbledon of 2021. But still, you reflect on a great of sports. That's it. It's one of those news. Yeah, it's one of those like breaking news pieces that isn't at all surprising. You were just waiting for when so that you could then celebrate the person. You know, we've had one of them last in the last week or so, haven't we? Um, but uh, Serena Williams. Mm. No, yeah. So look, um, Roger Federer is. I I'm just really happy that we'll get to read lovely pieces and listen to lovely radio uh, interviews and just kind of bask in the beauty of Roger Federer for the next um, week or so. And actually doing it the week before an event that he's then going to bow out in means we will get two full weeks of this, which is wonderful because I don't think there's any sports person that I kind of uh, would like to read more about than himself. You know, It's remarkably rare that somebody gets to the top of the mountain in their sport who has to step over so many of the people to get there, but seems to be so universally loved. Yeah, not, yeah super nice guy by all accounts, but like at the same time, we don't really know any of these people, don't we not, Richie? But... Um, uh, just as a tennis player though like it's just poetry in motion and that 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 is it for me we can have all the discussions about who won more who was technically better the tenacity of Nadal the whatever of Djokovic like let's like you know I don't even know what it is that makes Djokovic great but look let's face it he is but nobody will ever I don't think win the hearts and minds in the way Federer did just because of the beauty of the way he played the game, you know. And I don't think Fe- I don't think tennis was ever a nicer or better sport to watch than when Roger Federer was in, on his game, and that actually included well past his prime. You know, I like I don't know about you guys, but for me, some of the most emotionally draining, um, you know, sports watching experiences I've ever had was watching Federer try to go to the well one or two last times and getting to that one all in Wimbledon finals or in Grand Slam finals and then ultimately just not having enough and Djokovic beating him 3-1 I think that happened three or four times and it was always just this can he do it this time you know it was uh, yeah just just one of those guys that I just have I honestly am just so happy that I got to like witness his career all the way through from start to finish yeah like I think Richie even back to Australia 2018 as Mick says like you know everyone has a shelf life and the body starts to break down and that's been particularly the case since 2019 but like that kind of one great hurrah it's 15 years from his first Grand Slam title 
and in a way he kind of wills himself over the line to win again to get to 20 Grand Slams like I'm delighted he got to the round number of 20 he's not going to retire with more Grand Slams now than Novak Djokovic or Rafa Nadal but there was something very symbolic about the idea of getting to 20 yeah getting there was huge I think it was probably huge for him I think it's sad in a way that he doesn't get to say goodbye on a court but then <clears throat> he's also saved the <clears throat> ignominy is probably too strong a word but he saved the ignominy of, of going out on a loss this way he's kind of going out on his own shield and there's a there's a beauty like Mick touched on the word beauty in there like I don't think very very uh, many men's tennis players of our generation you can ascribe the word beauty to in terms of how they played the game because mm. like you could just watch a still frame or look at still frames of his backhand for days on end and literally never get bored because there's something graceful and beautiful about the way he played that shot in particular. Um, he's still one of the best tennis players of all time and they still hold up that 2008 final with uh, Rafa Nadal at Wimbledon as the best sporting contest I will probably ever see because you can have great finals, you can have great teams in finals, you can have great players in finals and usually that will be you know, one-sided to be like you look at like 1970 World Cup final, like Brazil were playing against a very good Italian side, but people just remember Brazil walking through it. Um, but to have two people who might have a claim to being best ever playing at the same time at the peak of their powers against one another and going the distance and making that final better purely because they were each so good is something very, very special. And Roger Federer can. He, like he'll be an ambassador for the game whether he's involved in it or not because he'll be an example to everybody that went before because he started off as this kind of typical bratty Euro trash teenager and we came through an era of servers and big servers and he kind of swept all that clean and made something really gorgeous out of the game of tennis and, and was very successful with it and like you're not gonna like he's can be forever associated with Wimbledon. Winning eight titles there is absolutely incredible. And uh, I think he deserves every single one of the plaudits that probably will come his way over the next days, weeks and months. That's the thing, Mick. It takes great dance partners and in a way him and Nadal will always be linked. And that's oh, why yeah, you know, yeah. you see Nadal's statement there, which I think is very heartfelt. He said to my dear friend, I never I was hoping I would never have to find this day that I had to write this statement, but I feel I have to because of everything that we've shared on the court together. And in a way they enhance each other's reputation. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's Messi Ronaldo really, isn't it? But like while Messi Ronaldo I think found some sort of way to coexist I don't know if they ever liked each other where you always got the impression that Nadal and Federer were genuine friends you know as well as super competitive rivals you know um, I think yeah look to win eight in that time in Wimbledon in particular the five in a row obviously Borg did it as well and when you think of both of them the eras that they were in you know it's like it could happen another time like with less competition I suppose and it would still be an incredible achievement I think maybe Sampras for example like probably not the greatest competition in that era, you know, but what Federer was going up against all, at all times, for them all to reach those numbers, given the fact that they were all playing each other, was incredible. Um, I remember him beating Henman before he was anybody, you know, and, and I'm sure tennis people understood, but if you're the, the guy watching, you know, uh, Tim Henman's Odyssey in Wimbledon every year and not much else, you didn't know who Roger Federer was and immediately just thinking, oh, this is a guy. Whereas I have to say now, even like Alcaraz and all these guys, now that he's won it, great, I'll keep an eye. But I find it very hard to spot, the because there's so many guys coming through, you do find it hard to spot the, who's going to be the next big thing. 
with Federer, you sort of knew straight away. And I think I think a lot of that, Richie, was maybe not to do with any accuracy on my part, but going back to your point about the style, you just knew that whether, yeah. like, maybe he would never win another match, mm-hmm. but there was something very memorable about the way he played the game, you know? I think getting to the, the, the I think the pro- one of the hardest things for him, I probably, I don't want to speak wrongly on his behalf, but I think one of the hardest things for him was probably getting to the start line, like getting to that level whereby you could win a Grand Slam, never mind 20, where you could win one Wimbledon, never mind eight. I think shedding that kind of notion of being temperamental, of letting referees and other players and all that get into your head and just being a complete mill pond of stillness and mental calm when everything else around you was completely tumultuous. That's a gift. That is a real gift. And that is a gift that probably takes work. And I'd imagine you probably did work pretty hard on that. I don't but remember that, that like change of personality. Sorry, to Richard. Oh, it was there. Yeah. It was there, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm, I'm it, actually it, saying it, it's it, interesting because it's so, he's obviously yeah. so, like, ingrained in our mind that stillness and calmness that is, like, I don't even really remember what came before, you know? Yeah, his first, first couple of years as a pro, and definitely when he was in the juniors, he was that kind of snotty, temperamental, argumentative player. And that went. And to get rid of that, to shed that, and to become what he became is, is an achievement in itself. Mm. Rugby championship today, Mick. Very unusual, firstly, to have a game on a Thursday morning. Um, it wasn't unwelcome uh, caught, to watch caught, this. Caught me un- unawares, I have to say. Unfortunately. Yeah, I thought the yeah. dates were wrong originally when we're getting ready for the rugby championship to come back after the break. And I was thinking, surely it must be Friday, if not thir- it was Thursday. Mm. Um, there are basically games in the Australian League this weekend. So the game is on a, a Thursday for the Bledisloe Cup. All Blacks now top of the championship, but that tells nothing of the story of the game. <laughs> Jordy Barrett scores a late try, 39-37, which is a thriller in and of itself. Looked like the Aussies had done enough to win the game. They did what many teams do. They get a penalty in front of their own posts about about seven or eight yards out from their own line. And basically it's kill the clock, get it into the red and then we'll kick it out of play. But that is not how the story transpired. No. So wait to take the penalty. More off the clock, more off the clock. Waits to take the penalty. Australian players start to get a little bit angsty behind them. Doesn't take the penalty. Referee calls it rightly. Scrum. New Zealand but it wasn't even just that they got the scrum that was overturned they went and got the try there and won the game you know it was like it was such a confluence of events uh, after Australia's incredible comeback anyway and like such a good game you know what I mean so it was like it was just brilliant and I have to say I feel not one bit sorry for Australia in this regard now I think most of the world disagrees with me on this it's kind of if referees aren't going to be calling this all the time then you can't have random cracking of the whip but this is such a big moment this is going to you know maybe the referee shouldn't have just done it randomly at the end of a game having never you know no referee has almost ever done it before but this is like a worldwide um, story now this is going to bring attention on this issue and I guarantee they will go the way of this is now the norm rather than saying, oh, referee made a terrible decision there, cost Australia the game, because he was well within his rights to do it. Yeah, I know it's the correct decision. The problem is it's not consistently applied. So there's one of two ways it goes. Either the way that you think it might, which is that referees will now be encouraged that this has happened in one of the biggest games in world rugby, mm. and the foot was put down, and in this case, Australia were punished for trying to kill the ball to go right into the clock, or it will be seen as a one-off and it'll never happen again. Yeah. I don't know. What was the game that happened? Was there... There was this... Did so, I don't even know what sport it was, but something like this happened really recently, didn't it? Was it in hurling? Was it in the hurling championship? Somebody took too long to take a free 
and the referee gave it the other Overturns, way. Overturns, yeah. Yeah, do you remember? And it was a big, big controversy at the time. And, like, again, it was Galway. It was Galway yeah. against Wexford in the game that ended up being a draw, wasn't it? And, and people had the stopwatches out. And, and people were like, this yeah. is, yeah, it's happened many other times in the game. And that's fair. There is a natural human... Um, you know, instinct that we have to not shy away from. That at the end of the game, time is a lot more important than it is in the rest of the game. And it's all letter of the law people and people with stopwatches on Twitter will prove you wrong all of the time. But time wasting at the end of the game, not taking that penalty to keep the ball in play, well, I think is an issue. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a referee saying, hold on a second, I'm not letting you kill the game here. Yeah, it's really significant in this one, Richie, where... All they had to do was win their own line out and they didn't back themselves to do it. That's you know? the thing. Yeah. Like the 41 seconds at one point of the game can be very different to 41 seconds elsewhere. And in Australia's case, Richie, they were being cynical in watching the clock go down to ensure there wasn't going to be another play. So technically the referee should call this all the time. He should, but again, you're into uh, consistency of application, and that's like, whatever sport it is. That's always going to be an issue with officiating because, like, there's been so many penalty calls or not penalty calls in, in, in the Champions League this week that, in ordinary circumstances, in inverted commas, should be penalties, uh, but weren't. And similarly, this is a case where the ball could have gone easily dead, and it, it just happened to be the application and the referee and said. Nope, I'm going to play this as it lies and, and continue on here. And I, like that's that's a typical all black New Zealand trait, whereby they will inch out literally every bit of wiggle room for a game to be won, and that was the little bit of wiggle room that they needed to to win that one this morning. Yeah, thanks Mick as well for reminding me about the amount of people that DM'd me around the hurling pod at the time of that Galway Wexford game at Wexford Park where people had timed like two or three frees earlier in the game yeah. and were saying it's not unreasonable at all he's only taken whatever 26 seconds I think to address the ball <laughs> but there was a free 10 minutes before that word they took 50 seconds Isn't it funny that sport is so universal that I had a picture in my head of this and I could not figure out what it was I didn't know if it was I GA, remember which rugby, one. Went, football, yeah. whatever I just like yeah and then it suddenly came to me but yeah no, that was uh yeah, again, look, I think that time-wasting in general in sport is something that has been largely ignored by authorities and it ruins the end of sporting occasions. And whatever about doing it in play legally, there is literally nothing. It, it, it would end in a minute. The last 10 minutes of a football game that's 1-0 is pointless. Think of the Euros, uh, the, the England-Germany game in the Euros final. In the, in the women's Euros. Like, England did it really well. A lot of it was in play, but it was pointless because it was just, it was like the end of the spectacle, you know? And there's so much, it, it would just be, if they just bothered, it would be instantaneously over. And the same thing here. If this is always the case, then teams won't do what Australia did today. Contrasting text coming in on 53106. Ray C in Mayo. Lads, I've been watching tennis since the 1950s. I've seen most of the greats. Roger was the absolute best. And that argument could go on about the GOAT and there can be so many different arguments around uh, the top three particularly. And then Federer is an outstanding sportsman. But my God, this is not from Ray. This is from someone else. He is quite boring, is he not, Mick? (laughs) I don't know. What do you want? You want them doing dances or giving out to umpires and all? Like, you know, he was... He was. Uh, what you're trying to say is you want to combine the combustible nature of Nick Kyrgios with Federer's talent and winning, and that would make the perfect. Uh, sport. I don't necessarily. I don't know about you guys. What do you think, Rich? Is Federer boring? Defend him here. I, I, I don't know how anybody could have looked at the last twenty odd years of Roger Federer's career and called him 
boring and cold watching him. Boring and cold watching how he won matches and how he dug matches out. Yeah. Boring. So. Yeah. That text. I was literally just talking two minutes ago about the the emotional trauma of watching him try to do it. I don't think boring would be the word I would associate. Probably in the greatest tennis match of all time, that Oasis uh, Wimbledon final that went for many, many hours and into five sets. The news round is brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Um, are we starting with uh, Federer on the news round, Rich? Yeah, we'll start with Raj. He's announced his retirement from competitive tennis. The 41-year-old says next week's Labour Cup in London will be his final outing as an ATP pro. During that incredible career, he won 20 Grand Slams, a record eight Wimbledon singles titles, and announcing the news on social media, Federer says an injury-plagued three years have forced his hand. The last 24 years on tour have been an incredible adventure. While it sometimes feels like it went by in 24 hours, it has also been so deep and magical that it seems as if I've already lived a full lifetime. I've had the immense fortune to play in front of you in over 40 different countries. I have laughed and cried, felt joy and pain, and most of all, I have felt incredibly alive. Roger Federer said about it at the Labour Cup. I think in many ways it is appropriate that he'll be going back to London uh, to finish out his career. Renee Stubbs is going to join us at around about half past seven. Uh, Serena Williams, former coach, to reflect on Roger Federer's career and also the end of Serena Williams' professional career too. Uh, the Roscommon ban, going back to that minor game from a couple of weeks ago, Richie, it's going to be uh, effectively a two-year sentence that's handed out here. Yeah, pretty much. The Roscommon Competitions Control Committee has recommended a 96-week ban for the individual involved in an incident which required a referee to be hospitalised. The incident occurred during an under-17 meeting of St. Aidan's and St. Dominic's in Ballyforn. The incident led to the referee strike at Roscommon and a Garda investigation. Tonight, Manchester United, Shamrock Rovers among the early starters. What's happening? Yeah, into the final 20 minutes in uh, Belgium in Group F of the Conference League. Rovers 3-0 down away to Ghent now at the moment. While elsewhere in that group, a bit of a thriller going on in Sweden. Uh, it is currently your Gordons 2, Malda 1, and the Norwegian side are down to 10 men. Cristiano Ronaldo once again leading the line for Manchester United, and indeed he scored their second. They lead 2-0 away to Sheriff in Group E of the Europa League. His uh, penalty doubled the lead. Uh, which was given to them by Jaden Sancho earlier in that game. Earlier in that group, Real Sociedad and Ammonia Nicosia are tied at one apiece. Back in the conference, the West Ham and Arth both action at 8 o'clock. They're away to Silkeborg and RFS, respectively. Connor Coventry is on the bench for West Ham, as is Darren Randolph. All right. The Republic of Ireland squad then, Richie, named by Stephen Kenny earlier. This was a dual naming day because Jim Crawford was naming the under-21 squad as well. Yeah, busy day out in the Aviva, and it's now 2-2, by the way, between your garden and Malda. Uh, Stephen Kenny says Robbie Brady has earned his recall to the Republic of Ireland squad. A string of fine performances for Preston this season have seen Brady return to the international fold for the first time in 18 months. Also returning is Cardiff's Callum O'Dowda and the fit again Andrew Amabamadeli, but Liverpool goalkeeper Cuevine Kelleher misses out through injury. Ireland are away to Scotland on the 24th of this month, with Armenia visiting Dublin three days later. Michael Abafemi is among those included, despite being omitted from the Swansea squad for their past two championship games. His manager, Russell Martin, explained the striker's reaction to a botched move to Burnley was behind his dropping. Kenny says the situation is not ideal. Yeah, I've spoken to Michael and uh, like everything else, there's two sides or, or three sides to every story and certainly Michael wants to play football. You know, he wants to play football, wants to play for Swansea. So um, obviously he's been omitted from the last couple of squads after the deadline day bids and so forth um, it's, it's, it's not ideal uh, we, we want our players playing coming in in good form so it's just one of those things 
I'm sure he'll be back playing shortly and uh, we're delighted to have him in the squad because I've got to see him we've seen him we've watched him a few times this season and it, you know he's played well he's been at the level that he finished off last season okay maybe that's not been translated into the goals but I, I, I seen him against Blackpool where he ran 60 yards he was right in on goal right to win the game and just l- l- unselfishly laid it off to Oliver Incham to, to score to win the game and then scored a great goal against Millwall so he has he has done some good things and his, his form has been good overall All right, Stephen Kenny speaking uh, earlier today we probably not greatly surprised him Rick we were kind of speculating about the squad last night Robbie Brady back playing regular football Callum O'Dowd is fit yeah, again yeah. who's been a favourite of Stephen Kenny's so from that point of view no great surprise Amma Bamadeli is back fit again um, maybe some of the players have missed out here Will Keane who was previously mm. in squads has dropped out and other than that I don't think there's any great surprise with the senior squad no not at all really it's kind of as we said last night like for all the lack of Premier League issues and Obafemi there um, obviously that Kenny was talking about like the Irish players are in decent form and it's like it's probably one of the most informed squads he's picked up you know he's been able to pick obviously Coleman and Duffy aren't this getting football and neither is Matt Doherty but other than that most people are playing every week you know so there's a good bit to, there's a good bit to um, to be positive about I was also happy to hear like you know there's Stephen Kenny very much backing his player there in a very reasonable and thought out way not just the kind of a don't want to really talk about this or answer the question way I think um, I think that was really good to hear Richie Aaron Connolly not in the senior squad he's gone back to the 21s for this crucial couple of games in the qualifiers uh, a playoff to potentially go to a major championships yeah Aaron Connolly named in that Ireland squad the under 21 one for their European championship playoff with Israel currently on loan with Venezia Connolly's last under 21 cap came against Sweden three years ago there's a first call up for Lincoln defender Sean Rowan while Brighton's 17 year old striker Evan Ferguson is also included and Crawford says Connolly had no qualms about dropping back down a level and Aaron Connolly he's named in the squad yeah Aaron um, Aaron's a, a different um, story you know Aaron's played with the senior team he's played with Brighton scored with Brighton and he's seen the highs and also he'll admit himself that you know he's been in a dark place and you know where football became you know probably not as high as priority which when you're a young professional footballer it has to be but you know Aaron I seen his interview there a number of weeks ago where he he looked um, focused he said he's in a great place when I had a I had a few chats with him with regards um, where he is physically, where he is mentally. He's in a, in a far better place than he's ever been. So I'm looking forward to working with Aaron. I worked with him at under 18s. I worked with him when I was Stephen's assistant with the 21s. And I know what you bring to the squad. And this is a great opportunity for him to show people, whether it's Stephen or, you know, um, coaches at Brighton Football Club that, you know, he's um, he's still around. Interesting decision, Mick, to bring Connolly in because Stephen Kenny has been pretty straight up about the fact he didn't think any of the eligible 21s who were in the senior squad were going to drop back. Mm. This would indicate to me that Aaron Connolly was not in the thinking for the senior squad at all and this is now an opportunity for Jim Crawford. I think that's fairly reasonable though, Will, isn't it? Like, I mean, I don't think there's any, you know, I mean, we have to have, we can't just have a kind of a closed squad. I mean, people have to be able to, to drop in and come in and Aaron Connolly's not showing anywhere close to the form that should be called up to an international senior squad at the moment. I would be interested to see, though, has any, like, eight-cap full international 
especially in Ireland, gone back to play under 21 before. We were kind of half hoping a couple of months ago that maybe a couple of players might get released. As you said, that was kind of a non-runner from the start. But this is definitely, if, if Aaron Connolly is in any kind of form at all, this is a massive, massive boost for the under-21s, you know, which is, you know, and that's such a strong team as well. You look at players like Will Smallbone is, you know, has to be very, very close to the senior squad at the moment. With I think the him and Connor Coventry Stoke. will get Co- senior caps in November. Coventry possibly, yeah, probably needs to play a little bit more first-team football, but he is getting some at West Ham, you know, so... There's, um, yeah, like it is It is amazing to just throw Aaron Connolly into that. If he's anywhere close to his potential, he's probably too good for that level, which is only good for Ireland, obviously. Yeah, sad news as well, Rich. The legendary former Welsh player turned broadcaster Eddie Butler has passed away. I'd strongly recommend Owen went to Wales earlier this year ahead of the Six Nations and had a pretty lengthy sit-down chat with Eddie Butler where they ended up talking about a fairly wide-ranging interview and he spoke about Welsh independence, he spoke about rugby, he spoke about life after rugby. Rugby. It's still available on the Off The Ball YouTube if you want to pick up the interview or any of our podcasts. If uh, you go back to a little bit earlier this year, you'll find Eddie Butler. But I know you're a massive, massive Eddie Butler fan, Richie. Yeah, really sad news today. The legendary Welsh rugby figure passing away at the age of 65. He died in his sleep. He was on a charity hike in Peru. As a player, Butler captained his country six times. He toured with the Lions in New Zealand in 1983. And of course, in later life, Butler became known for his rugby commentaries with the BBC, with whom he also covered Olympic Games and lent his voice to several documentaries outside of sport. And as he explained in that interview with us earlier this year, he was a strong advocate for Welsh independence. Yeah, nationalism is one of those words that it is very easy to toxify because to- nationals, nationalists are Serbian militiamen who carry out massacres. Franco of Spain was a nationalist and it, 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 it's a bad word. I'm, I am merely a seeker of independence That's, and I think we should stress the, the independence rather than this national. Nationalism implies a, a sense of superiority. And I genuinely do not feel that we have that in Wales. We don't, we don't want to be better than anybody. We don't feel better than anybody. We just want to be ourselves. Yeah, really fantastic piece from February of this year. Like we were just um, saying myself and Mick here, Richie, there's a beautiful lyricism about his voice. Like You can still hear the fact he'd be talking about someone coming over the top in a rook, but at the same time he can talk beautifully about nationalism and Franco at the same time. Yeah, that, like he could have read a phone book and I could have listened to it, to be honest with you. Just an incredible voice. Um, There's an authority to his voice without uh, a, a crump condescension, which is an incredible thing to possess. And there's also like a deep sadness when, when someone like Eddie Butler passes away because people who for so, like call sports for so long, and, and obviously his playing days were probably uh, before a lot of our times, um, but for people who kind of call major sporting events, and call them so well for a prolonged period of time. There's a constancy there that outlasts even a lot of the people that will be involved in those sporting events. And so to to lose one of those voices, and at the age of just 65 as well, when in that interview too, he had spoken about what comes next, and he never kept any trinkets or anything to do with his career or any notes or anything like that, because you discard it, you move on to the next thing, because the next thing that comes along is going to be better. The next year is going to be better. And it's really difficult to comprehend that for him that that's not going to be the case. But just an incredible, incredible loss. He gave so much to the sports that he loved, so much to the sport in general. And um, God, he'd be missed across many, many fronts. Oh, for sure. May he rest in peace. And uh, Richie, just to finish up the news for this evening on the news round, uh, tell us what's been happening at the Italian Open Golf. 
Yeah, decent day for uh, Rory McIlroy. An opening round of 67 for him. He has a share of the clubhouse lead. The play has come to an end there with Matt Fitzpatrick on top of the leaderboard. The Englishman still had three holes left to play of his first round. He's five under par. McIlroy, along with Gavin Green and Adri Arnaus, are on four under par. Scott Jemison, Eddie Pepperell and Antoine Rosner have also joined them on that mark. Jonathan Caldwell, next best of the Irish. He is one under par following around in seventh. Then you got Cormac Sharvin on two over, Paul Dunn on three over and Niall Kearney on four over par. Richie, Mick, thanks a million. That is the news round.